0: hey everyone this is jp real quick before we start today i want to tell you about an app called train your ears if you listened to the eq episode you heard me talk about train your ears and it's an app that really helped me to get my ear around the frequency spectrum so if you're struggling to hear 200 hertz versus say 300 or 400 hertz, I highly recommend this app to you. Go to www.trainyourears.com slash MPT, as in Music Production Talks. And if you buy it via that link, we get a small kickback and we would really appreciate the support. Thanks so much and on with the show.
1: Hello and welcome. Each week on Music Production Talks, join me, Chris Jacoby. And me, JP Ruggieri. As we skip over teaching you how to make fat beats and record screaming electric guitars. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And instead, we're gonna jump straight into having nuanced conversations about producing music that actually says something. If you're a musician that
0: wants to discover how to actually record your songs in a way that you want them to sound, or you're a producer that's looking to hone your skills, Or maybe you just want to hear interesting stories from the other side of the class, so to speak. You are in the right place.
1: All right, let's get on with the show. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back. This is episode five of Music Production Talks. Uh, Last week, we talked about some geeky microphone stuff, and JP and I both agreed that We need to take a little break from such technical matters. So this week we're going to get a little more into listening and production and stuff like that. JP, you want to tell them what we're doing today?
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. Uh, We're excited about this week's episode. Is um, about one of my favorite artists, uh, whose name is Feist, and um, she came out with an incredible album in 2011 called Metals that I had such a big impact on me. I still remember when I first heard the introduction to this opening track. <laughs> I was living in Queens and had on the same headphones that I have on now, just a different pair because that pair broke at this point. But I was just laying on my couch and I was like, oh cool, a new Feist album. And uh, laying on my couch, it was nighttime and those drums came in. And within the first five seconds, I was like, oh, my God, this is my new favorite record. (laughs) (laughs) I was just totally blown away. What a crazy way to start a record. It's just so amazing. So um, today, Chris and I are going into the opening track of Metals by Feist. It's called The Bad in Each Other. Um, We can't play any samples because of copyright issues. So um, we are leaving it up to you guys to go and listen to the track. Um, even if you have, like go listen to it again, press the pause button and put some headphones on or good speakers and take a listen to the this opening song and then listen to the whole album because it's just a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking so, maybe yeah. I'll put uh, links to all the different streaming services people use in our show notes so you can just kind of scroll up on your app, click that and go listen to it real quick. Come yeah, back, right.
0: that's great. So yeah, we're we're gonna be talking about sounds. We're gonna be talking about songwriting. We're gonna be talking about uh, you know our best guesses of how they recorded it and mixed it and all those things. So I thought maybe a good place just to start would be where it was recorded and the approach that it took. And I I love how I love the setting that this record was recorded in, and it's basically been a dream of mine. To record an album in this way ever since uh, I learned how they did this, which is basically that they went to Big Sur in California and rented out a barn that was on a cliffside <laughs>
1: <Right.
0: laughs> for two weeks and brought a bunch of vintage vintage gear and set it up and recorded this album in that way, mostly live. And from what I've read, um, most of most of the tracks were just done in a couple of takes, so very raw. And um, and a really cool piece of information um, is that the barn that they used was precisely sixty by thirty eight feet.
1: Which oh my gosh, JP!
0: <laughs> as it turns out, listen, to this, this is going to blow your mind. As it turns out, is the exact
1: size of Studio Two at Abbey Road. That's insane. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I love that. Did uh, they do that on purpose, or was that something they figured out kind of after? I the don't. Fact?
0: I don't know. I think it was just something that they figured out after after the fact. But that's wild. I, I could be wrong on that. Um, I I don't know the exact barn, but if anybody does, please shoot me a message and let me know because yes, um, is
1: it available to rent? Exactly that <laughs> will be
0: that will be where I'm making my next record. Yeah. Um. But you know, I I I read that Vice. Wrote a lot of the lyrics, um, at like on her walk to the barn in the morning. She had uh, this like twenty minute walk that she did through Big Sur on on the cliffside, and oh, wow. yeah, finished a lot of the lyrics in that way. And it's an interesting record because she got she kind of went through a burnout period of you know the success of um what was the uh the, the previous records called the reminder the, I think it's the re, the re, the reminder yeah. And she got a lot of fame from that and did a lot of touring and and got burnt out and pretty much didn't touch her guitar for like two years. That's so so wild. Yeah. And she just kind of took a couple years off and then um, not really knowing what would come out of it. um, And then started picking up her guitar again and all these songs poured out. And that's when um, they set up shop in, in Big Sur. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And the, um, the, the concept of this record from what I've read is, um, uh, let's
1: see. Ancient, modern,
0: modern, ancient, modern, ancient. I was just checking my notes. So, uh, I read this in an article, um, and Feist was talking about the concept of the record and, uh, which was, in in quotes, modern, ancient, chasing modern and ancient sounds. Modern in the sense that it was recorded, you know, it's a record in 2011, but ancient in the sense of how do you capture the feeling of sounds that are in nature? Um, you know, these, um, ancient sounds, uh, you know, that we feel when we hear, you know, the wind blow, like what feeling does Mm, that give you, or you hear you know, and, and earthquake or, you know, something, the, the feelings that those sounds give you. And what I love about that is the opening of this r- record, which is this track that we're talking about. It totally feels like something is like erupting. You yeah, know? it's yeah. got that, it's got that thing, but it's, it's, it's these like, is the perfect way to, uh, get that feeling across of this, these drums, which to me sound, the reverb on those totally has a chamber quality to my ears. And so I, I just bring that up because a couple episodes ago, we, we did a reverb episode and um, the opening drums had this beautiful, you know, kind of um, very organic earthy reverb sound. And it, it sounds like a chamber to, to my ears. Um, so check out the reverb on those drums, but the track just opens up with these drums and it, it's not just one drum. It's like layered percussion. Yeah, There's like the, a really deep sound that's mixed with almost just sounds like w- wood on top of it. There's there's like a layer of somebody just hit, hitting a wall or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, that kind of gives you the real attack of the drum. and um but at the same time you have this very round you know wet reverby bassy drum kind of and it, it just pull it just pulls you in yeah. instantly. it's amazing
1: it's pretty awesome yeah well uh i guess uh, you want to talk about the song some because i i feel like you know one of the things you know i went and read through the lyrics and um Once I read that and kind of like what she's singing about, it was like all the the sounds made sense to me. And then the big, there's a, it starts with these kind of opening drums that you're talking about that are kind of, they're just like really earthy and tribal and they're not, it's not like a kit, right? It's like this layered thing. But then a drum kit does come in, in the chorus. Yeah. And like the horns change what they're doing and, It gets kind of like a lot lighter sounding. Yeah, Yeah, it's a huge change. And this tambourine comes in, which like really brightens up everything. And he's playing on the ride cymbal. And it's like a big scene change. And when you read through the lyrics, like what I noticed is um, the verses are kind of like dark and moody and angry lyrically. And then the chorus is kind of like talking about this relationship between the man and the woman in there they're like good people individually but then like when the relationship sours it kind of brings out the bad in each person which is the name of the song right the bad in each other and it's like the chorus is this light thing talking about the good people and then like when it gets that last line the bad in each other like it goes back into like the yeah uh, really moody dark earthy thing and I thought that was a really cool approach and I don't know if they you know talked about that much but it it certainly has an impact, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, and even to take it a little further, um, the perspective in the story lyrically changes as the feel of the music changes too. Like it it goes to a halftime thing in the chorus, Mm -hmm. but in the verse, it's, it's all first person, you know, it's, it's, you you know, I, you know, she's kind of talking about something very personal. That's, her, uh, that has to do with herself. Right. And then this chorus comes in at halftime and all the all the instrumentation changes. And then all of a sudden it's more of of like when a good man and, and a good woman it, it changes perspective. Like a third person kind of thing. Yeah. I guess. It, yeah. It, it, exactly. Which is like I, I you know not against the rules. It's against <laughs> the rules, yeah. And yeah, you're not supposed to change perspective in in a in a song, you know? And so I'm just, I think that's so awesome that she did that. It's great. And I love, and I, I have no doubt that that was, um, something that they talked about and something that they, that they did, you, you, you know, it's like, it's why I, it's so important to understand the story of the song if you're a session musician or a recording engineer or a mix engineer, whatever it is that you're doing, you got to know what's going on in the song. It's not just the music and this is such a perfect example of that, of like everything shifts in the chorus because the story shifts in the chorus, right. in the song.
1: Yeah. And um, I kind of, because I just took, you know, a couple of years off from doing this I feel like I just kind of relearned this lesson when we did the Rivoli album this past mm-hmm. summer. Yeah, of how important it is to really talk to the songwriter and understand both what the song's about, but also like what do you, what what are you trying to evoke? Like, what feeling are we trying to evoke before you get into specifics of like, hey, what drum sounds do you like or whatever? And right. a lot of times, it seems like artists don't necessarily have an opinion on the sonics but they can tell you what they want it to feel like, right? And then that yeah. can kind of jump start a conversation. Well, hey, let's go listen to this. What does this feel like to you? Okay, not that. And then the skills that we're using here of like picking apart a part production is uh kind of that's when that appears as a useful thing but really just in service of the song and what the artist is trying to do.
0: Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I feel like the, the songwriting of this like really dictated kind of the arrangement, right? Um mm-hmm. but then also, yeah, the the instrumentation. I mean, we've talked about the drums a little bit. Um I I think it's a synth bass. Um Yeah. Sub- I was thinking sub- it was an electric at first and it was just really subbed out. And then there's this one moment where it's like, no, that's a synth.
0: Uh yeah, there, there there's that part going into the outro uh not the the first outro, cuz there's like there's a false ending which is right. so good but yeah. going going towards the end of the false e- ending there's like that whoop
1: thing yep yeah, That was the moment I was like cuz i'd written yeah, on my it's notes so cool. like uh, p bass through a moog or something and cuz that's one of the approaches i'd take to get that sound yeah. Or like through right. an octave pedal and then filtered down or something, and then that moment happened. And I like scratched it. Out. I was like synth yeah. bass for sure. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it's such I, a cool
1: sound. I think what's really cool about the bass. I mean, here I didn't know this about the um like wanting to evoke nature sounds, but yeah, like really subby sounds to humans are like kind of terrifying. Like if you notice, like in a movie like Mm -hmm. if there is an earthquake or a big storm or something and all those subs are like kicking in the movie theater like it really makes you like kind of freaked out like on a physical level so i feel like choosing that low-end sound just feeds into everything that you were talking about the approach was what they were going for yeah totally
0: yeah and I uh, real quick while while we're on the bass because one thing yeah. I wanted to talk about is in the verses the play between the bass and the drums and the guitar really is so is they're so complementary of each other because the 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 bass is so spread out like it's not yeah. doing a lot of rhythm at all it's just yeah and like it's kind of in notes. and out um, yeah and you have these drums do doing
1: so much rhythm and
0: right. then there there there's a very light guitar doing a
1: lot of r- rhythm too that you could hear yeah very like jig like guitar yeah part. and
0: i i i've i've always thought like man imagine if they just did like a normal bass part was like don't yeah. it'd be so late yeah <laughs> you like, know it's funny
1: yes, it? <laughs> uh, uh yesterday I was playing on the drum kit, like, trying to figure out how they did that sound. You were talking about the wood thing, which I think they just slapped. It's not a stick click because I tried that. But I was playing the beat, right, like, on a floor tom and a kick, and I was doing, like, a stick click thing. And I was like, I wonder what this sounds like if I just, like, translate all my hands to, like, typical stuff. So, I put like my right hand that was doing a floor time thing like on the hi-hat and my left hand, which was doing mm. stick clicks on the snare. And it was like, this is so lame. Like same beat, same rhythm, yep. different sounds. And it, it totally sucks. And yeah, if if you did like a, a Motown-y like shuffle bass part, of yeah. this, it would yeah. ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, it was just great. like
0: it would just instantly take all, all all of the vibe out of the song like i I kind of feel like for that for that percussion in the in the intros and in verses they were probably just like right we're not using a drum set on this like yeah the drum set can come in on the chorus but on, on this part of the song try to figure it out and just use something else and I know I've seen videos of them live and there's literally like a piece of 2 by 4 that someone's hitting oh, with a really? drumstick wow. okay. yeah so I, I'm i I'm sure that they just probably you know took a bunch of stuff they had lying around and just hit
1: it yeah Yeah. and I, side note I feel like drums are the thing that caused the most arguments in the studio mm-hmm. and I'm starting to think that that's it. It's not so much about the rhythm itself. And I think that's where everyone goes like, whoa, change this, change it. And it's like, it might just be the, the sounds like change the, mm-hmm. where you're playing those beats and like everyone gets, yeah. like, Oh yeah, that's the thing. And it's like, you really didn't change the beat you were playing. You just changed the drums you're on or the sounds You're using or whatever. Yeah. But, um,
0: yeah. That's a good point.
1: Do you want to talk about her guitar part? Cause I feel like this is a really cool, uh, or, or her guitar sound it's yeah. like this really tiny mid-rangey awesome. thing, and I'm wondering if you know how she got that. Like, yeah. guitar player and into that stuff. I do.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, well, we sh- should just say the the entire record is insanely mid-rangey. It just sounds yeah. like everything's going through an amp, you yeah, know, through a spring reverb. There's like or no something.
1: top. Like I soloed I know. like 10k and above, and there's like barely anything. Wow. And then the subs are like. Like it's really subby and it's really mid rangey and then there's like no real top on it,
0: it's yeah very it's strange. so it's so interesting and i'm I'm gonna read a quick quote before I get into the guitar sound from the engineer and producer uh who's just i'm such a big fan of uh Robbie lacrit, I think is how you pronounce his name yeah, um but he he's done so many of of my favorite albums, but this is from a New York Times article. And Robbie says we make really soft records. Um, Blah blah blah. There's a quick quote there. I'm going to square it. It draws you into the record a lot more. If we were making this record by modern day digital standards, it would be really terrible sounding because there are so many songs that have an arc from the beginning to middle to end. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so, so, so great. And um, from a dynamic point of view, I think he's speaking of, of, of that, but also just from like a sonic point of view, like if you were to take this record and play it, you know, back, um, back-to-back with another album from that time or just any other album, you'd be like, wow, this is so different sounding. Well, I
1: did that and I was like blown away because I... It's crazy. I just found this website. It's called uh, com, and you can get like HD downloads i mean pay for them right but like i bought this album at like 96k 24 bit or whatever
0: oh i didn't know that that's and awesome. i
1: haven't looked to see if it actually is 24 bit or if i just paid for like a, right. a, you know large uh, cd right. quality file or whatever but i dragged it into pro tools and i'd also bought beck's sea change the other day on this website that's how i found it okay. and so i've set that up on a playlist and i set feist up And in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's drums and like acoustic guitar. Like it's probably pretty similar sounding. And it was like the Beck album is like ripping your head off with top end. And then this Feist album is like super duper warm. They are about the same uh, loudness level though. Mm -hmm. Um, They just don't necessarily, it doesn't really hit you. But you certainly hear some like bus compression hitting when that big bass drum comes in, like in the turnarounds. I think they add like a lower bass drum and you hear Mm. like the whole thing just kind of a little bit yeah it's a cool effect but uh, yeah it's not like i I guess what i'm trying to say is like loudness standard wise it's not a quiet record like it's modern as far as level is concerned but i think the way that they're approaching the the instruments and the frequency spectrum yeah is not super hypey and modern sounding right i
0: think uh uh, what robbie was mainly referring to in that quote was just the dynamic of the music like how how much the verse comes down in that song yeah like, yeah, yeah. yeah so much drops out and then the chorus comes in and it's just massive sounding right you know I mean, all these instruments come in and um yeah dynamics god so good but anyways guitar sound is um she plays an um acoustic with a I think it's just like a LR Bags pickup, the really famous one that's like the M1 or something. Beige.
1: Yeah, yeah, the M1. But it's a magnetic pickup. It's not a under yeah, the saddle. Right. quack yeah, yeah. piece of crap pickup. Yeah,
0: it's a it's a sound hole pickup, and then that's going through a guitar amp. Oh, okay. And, do uh, you know what amp she uses? Uh, I think it's Princeton, but I okay. could be wrong.
1: Yeah, because I saw, uh, I I remember on the first record, she talked about she had like a little Vox. Like whatever that little solid state amp is, it's oh, super the, uh, tiny. Oh, the
0: Pathfinder. The Pathfinder, and That's I don't a know. Cool she,
1: I know she. The first record, it was a fifty-seven on her vocal through the Pathfinder. Okay. And this sound sounds similar to that, um, but then I looked at the the pictures from the session, and I'm seeing a Princeton, maybe maybe a Princeton reverb, I can't tell, and then a Fender Deluxe, which is different sound, and then. Yeah. But then on her vocal, I'm seeing like a, a 47 tube mic and a 414. But I'm right. listening to this, and I'm like, well, it could be those, but it's like super processed and probably through the no, guitar amp. You know, it's
0: got to be going through the guitar amp, like yeah. just, just the sound of it. And um, a lot of tracks have a really prominent spring reverb sound on her vocal too, which I'm guessing mm-hmm. they, they just probably turn the spring reverb on In the, the amp. amp. Yeah. yeah, maybe so. All right. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's a really great guitar sound because you get the air from the acoustic but you also get the grit of the amp and the the mid the mid-range quality of it too and um yeah, her her voice going through that amp is such a specific sound. Um it's interesting like talking about the lack of top end and everything like and you know, I I just I love the idea of thinking about what they thought about going into this record like was that a choice they made you know having the modern ancient concept going into it he, you know there there's not a lot of sounds in nature that I could think of off the top of my head where it's like you know 15k is like <laughs> like
1: screaming in your ears well, or whatever we have these crickets here every couple okay, of years well, or yeah, cicadas or something oh my gosh dude like rip your head off yeah, uh, but I don't think that... that it, It's not that high, though. Oh, dude, it's high. I don't know, it Really? really? Yeah, it's cer- it's a certain song that... I, Mitchell would know. I'll have to ask Mitchell. I wonder uh, if
0: it's a different type of cicada there than what we have here. Yeah, I don't know.
1: But yeah. I, I think maybe it's more just a matter of, like, we're not going to do the thing where we just add a 10K shelf to everything out of habit. And then yeah. I think also just the the instrument choices, like, well, when you're not playing a hi-hat, you know, and she's not playing a traditional acoustic guitar through a condenser mic or something. I feel like that's where a lot of that region comes from typically. And then they're not, you know, she's not singing through a condenser and adding like a Poltec on her voice. It's like that's where that info is. So if they're not doing those Mm. things, it's just not there. I don't know if it's an... It doesn't sound to me like they're necessarily like cutting up in those you know they're not like no yeah bringing that stuff down or filtering it out it doesn't have that sound but it's just like that information's not there and they're not attempting to add it you know yep um and that i th- totally. and i think maybe some of that is because of the mid-rangey guitar and the mid-rangey voice that you don't miss the extra top because like there's this aggressive mm-hmm. kind of mid-ranginess um so i don't know
0: yeah what, what about the vocal compression? Did, did you have any, any, any thoughts on it? Did anything pop in your head uh, about it?
1: Well, I mean, it's certainly pretty compressed. Um, I don't know. I mean, in the pictures I saw some Distressors, mm. but, and I don't know who mixed this record. Like I looked at the think credits it was and I, you think it was, well, I saw him, yeah. but I also saw like five other people listed as mixing. Okay. So right. who knows, you know, yeah. um, but yeah, it sounded really compressed, but it also could be that it was going through a guitar amp, which is awesome. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. that's going to reduce the dynamics. Um,
0: yeah. I, I I was thinking it too, and, and just thinking about the compression and, you know, I'm always trying to think like, what what does that compressor feel like to me of the things that I know yeah. in terms of compression? And it, the state level popped in my head for a number of reasons. Um which could be coming from other things, mainly the guitar amp sound. Yeah, but with the stay level, um, and I should clarify, I the one that I that I know that because I've got it and I use it a lot is the um, uh, Audioscape V Comp Deluxe, I think it's called. Um, and the characteristics on the sound that I was hearing. One is just like that radio sound. It's like a slight bump at 2K, mm. and which could totally be coming from the guitar amp, um, right? But I that instantly popped out to me, and also just the the way it was grabbing the vocal. Um, you could you could really hear it kick in at certain times, and it just reminded me of the way that the state level kind of, I mean, it's called the state level because it's. It, makes it stay there you know it just, right it grabs it and it also just kind of has this kind of grainy dirty sound to it which again could be from the, gu- the guitar amp, but yeah those things I was just thinking oh, I wonder if that's a state level that they're using and on that.
1: just so people can go listen like what's uh where did you hear about the state level and like what's a good kind of reference for that
0: yeah um the the Rick Rubin Johnny Cash albums are, are are what first got my ear around it. It's it's um which is so, God those those records are so compressed. Yeah, well, I, I mean remember, all records. But, yeah, yeah, I know. I remember when those first came out, and I wasn't I wasn't even like into compression at the time. I was just like, God, this record just sounds. I don't like it. It was, it was weird. and now of course I love it. I just yeah, I love that sound, but. um yeah, listen to the vocal sound mm-hmm. on that, and that's a state level. Like, that's, it's that's the one state that, level sound.
1: It's the one that Sylvia Massey mixed, because I know some of those uh, There's a couple are of 1176s. I sixes.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they probably recorded it an 1176, but I know it was mixed by her with a state yeah.
1: level. And I think it's a U87, um, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty... I think the, like... The Rick Rubin vocal chain nine times out of 10 is 87, Neve, 1176. So That'll work. Just for yeah. <laughs> for a reference. Yeah, yeah. And then you put Johnny Cash or Jay-Z or whoever right. in front of it and it's all. And fun.
0: it sounds great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I think the main thing to take away from this episode or, or this track and one thing that I was telling Chris that I want to start talking about more on this podcast is the the way that sounds make you feel whether it's in the recording studio or in nature like how does um like what's the feeling of those drum parts in the verse and how would it how would that have changed the song if they were played on a kit or something or yeah what would have changed if the guitar part was played you know on some kind of i don't know like i mean i'll Taking it to an um, extreme here, but like a Strat, he, you know, yeah. like it would have, you know, things like that, because I think a lot of the times it's easy to, you know, pick a, an instrument or a sound or a tool, whatever you want to call it, because you like the way it sounds. You, you're, you're like, oh yeah, this guitar sounds great. I love this guitar. But I think where we all should be, or what we should be taking away from this record is um, trying to get to a place of like, how do those sounds make you feel and choosing your instruments in that way?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, um, you know, one, one concept you taught me a long time ago, um, which was like a, a songwriting thing. I can't remember who that guy was that the Berkeley teacher. Oh, Pat Pattison. Pat Pattison talks about this idea of prosody yeah um, which is basically all things working together towards a common goal, right? So if you think mm-hmm. about, okay, a simple songwriting concept would be like, well, if you're singing about something sad, like maybe you should use a minor chord, you know, as opposed to like this happy upbeat right. thing or something. Um, but you can you can apply that concept to literally every choice because if, yeah. if you think about production, it really just is like a thousand different choices that you can make. And if you can keep coming back to some kind of central idea throughout that, um, which is, you know, easier said than done, because sometimes you just want to like do that cool thing that you heard about or you heard some other record on the drive to the studio that day and you're like, yeah, we're going to do this. And it's like, no, nope, no, no, no. Go back and like yeah. think about the keep thinking about the song and the, the concept and let that influence.
0: Yeah. It. And if you want to learn more about prosody, no matter where you are, if you, if it's a totally new concept to you, or if you've been studying it for years, n- no matter, you should um, get this book by, I think it's by James Benigoff, if I'm remembering it correctly. It's called The Words and Music of Paul Simon, and it's been like a Bible to me for probably 10 years. I'm, I'm a huge, huge Paul Simon fan, and he's a master uh, at... Prosody, but this book basically goes through like pretty much all of Paul Simon's catalog, every song up until the point that it was put out, which I th- I think it goes up to like s- the album Surprise, if I'm remembering correctly, which was came out in 2006, and it's just amazing. Um, but it goes through every song and analyzes the way that the music is working off of the words and um man that book is I still read it all the time and it's still I still get new ideas and and whatnot from it. So check that book out. It's it's, cool.
1: it's, it's yeah I'll really, put i really I'll put like an Amazon link or something in the show notes and I need to get a copy. Yeah. Too um while we're mentioning books, um a few episodes I was trying to think of the name of this freaking book and I finally found it. It's called, um, understanding and crafting the mix by William Moylan. And mm-hmm. he has a, a couple books. He's like a musicologist, a couple of books that kind of touch on this idea. And it's kind of similar to what you're talking about. It's like how production and the mix and the instrument choice and all the things we're talking about kind of affect the song. And, um, he has this really like elaborate method of kind of mapping out literally like a timeline, like you paste five pieces of paper together and you map out a production from beginning to end visually and i remember having to go through that process a few times in college and it was like pretty life-changing um just like and what what we did in preparation for this i mean i did not map it out but like really just like listening over and over and listening to different frequency ranges and the mid and the side and uh yeah so it yeah if it's something you haven't dug into like maybe check out both those books and do a little deep dive on something yeah um we have not talked about all the instruments on this song yet
0: okay you want to do that real quick
1: yeah um
0: well, i want to say first that this song is what made me fell fall in love with uh uh baritone sex
1: oh my gosh yeah and you hear that sound <laughs> a lot on like Boney Vare. Stuff too, but it's carved out in a
0: way on this track again. It's like very mid-rangey, and um, it just they're just amazing. The yeah. Barry sounds in this that you come in with these long drones, and you expect them to be deeper sounding than they actually are. And for it's some got that reason. edge to it, that's yeah. what's so
1: great about Barry. Um, yeah, and I guess just reedy instruments in general kind of have a little bit of that, but um, yeah, I, I'm hearing that the baritone is like. So the barit- baritone sax is doubled. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking the other brass was either like flugelhorn or maybe it's trumpets. Mm. And whatever those are had like... Um, the, the berry sounded pretty dry to me, but the the trumpet had like a longer kind of verb on it that's stereo. Uh, whereas like the vocal to me sounded like a really short kind of chamber sound or maybe a plate with maybe a little bit of mono slap like tucked in there somewhere um and as far as the mics what do you think they used on the sacks do you think it was a ribbon or a condenser
0: i don't know that's a good question like um just thinking about i think probably a ribbon and then they they just cut out a lot of you know, like two hundred hertz and yeah. under it. Yeah. I, okay,
1: my I cheated because I looked at the um, little like EPK video, and they have oh, a cool. pair. Of, yeah, they have a pair of coals on the piano, and I'm like, you know, they use that on <laughs> the horns. Yeah, um, right. right. And uh, yeah, so there is a little piano in this song. You really don't hear it too much, except for that that false ending. It, it's it does really weird subtle arpeggios, yeah. and there's also yeah. some. um uh it's in the vibes. chorus
0: too if i'm re- re- remembering the second chorus you could hear a little yeah, little there's some little licks. Piano. there's a few yeah. little
1: licks that pop uh, out uh, yeah did you hear did you hear the vibes no i don't think i did but at the very beginning there's like whole note vibraphones on the left and the only way i heard them was i put it in i just listened to the side okay <laughs> like they're, they're they're like you just mute them that. like they're not even in you know right <laughs> um that's great <laughs> and then the strings too which to me don't sound like a a quartet or something it sounds like maybe one or two people like double different yeah. parts and there's quite a bit of kind of that natural room sound on them and they're kind totally. of panned around um there's also a really weird little synth so in those turnarounds where the tambourine does the like tsh, tsh, like the, just yeah constant awesome. shake roll so thing cool. there's a synth it's like i think it's one of those critters maybe it's like this oh
0: yeah man i want to get one of those
1: yeah i used to have one that was and when i sold everything i had to give it back to him so okay um oh and then of course there's a few more vocals than just the lead. There are. There's that male vocal in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which is just an octave, really loose and really raw. Yeah. Like he's not like a great singer no. and they made no. no attempt to like be tight. Which Nothing. I feel like again supports the lyric, right? It's like this it's man and this woman kind of drifting apart in the relationship and
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah exactly yeah that that that's a great observation yeah for sure
1: um okay um i have a few more notes but i feel like i'm hijacking so no
0: no keep going
1: okay um great. other things i saw in the pictures it was like he had a little neve sidecar and then a rack of neve prees. there might have been like a tube pre but it looked pretty much just like 1073s yeah. or 1084s across the board couple distressors pull tech Um, and then man, Neve Sidecar. In that, all you want in life, right there. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it's the only thing. (laughs) Uh, So okay, so you mentioned at the beginning. I hate this. Like, it's mostly live. Like, it was not mostly live. I can tell you that from listening to it and from watching the EPK. Because there's a point Mm. where she's like comping a vocal and like punching a line, and you, I'm like looking at that room. I'm like, there's no way they did those big ass drums. And she was singing over that. Right. Okay. Like, yeah. I think right. it was probably like whatever the basic, well, like Tom and kick pattern, but maybe if, the synth bass, if and they like got maybe the vocal her guitar. Sound,
0: if they got the vocal sound through a guitar amp, though, they could have totally yeah, had that in I suppose. Group. I but don't know. The,
1: I, certainly that guitar was live because they're not on a click.
0: No, okay. definitely not.
1: Sorry, I'm screaming.
0: No, it's great. Um, I mean, I I think, I uh, th- look, there's a lot of sounds on this. Record and on that on that opening track, like there's no way all that was done live. But I think that uh, I I think the foundation of the record was was probably done, yeah, mostly
1: live is, yeah. is probably what. the end of C- certainly like on top the, of it the basic rhythm tracks yeah. and 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 I I have no doubt that like all those people were in the room together and then maybe they made some decisions like, okay, we worked up the song, but like hey, we'll come back and do your part as an overdub or whatever just cause yeah. it's so uncontrolled and it doesn't it doesn't feel like that to me i mean there's room on everything but it doesn't feel like that's the thing i, it, I was total say, mess, you know
0: yeah that's the thing i wanted to point out too is the room sounds on this record are, are are very prominent and um yeah so so much of the sound on this album there's this one track i forget what it is but um what track is it it's like this very dark piano sound that's so Mm -hmm. roomy yeah and and then her like mid-rangey guitar amp vocal and I, i was just like man the sound of that room that they're in is so great um i forget what the track is but pretty much like the moral of this podcast episode is i need a Neve side car and a cliffside cabin in Big Sur, <laughs> California. <laughs> that's basically, that's it. What, yep, what, that's the secret. That's what we've been trying to get to this whole time. Oh, and so. maybe by
1: singing, but you know, yeah,
0: whatever. we could figure that out. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I learned a lot today and I'm going to go take out a giant loan and destroy the rest of my life. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess uh, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, um, so this was, I mean, this was kind of a different episode than we've done. And I, I would be curious to hear if this is helpful. And I mean, it's certainly fun for us. Yeah. I, mean, I, I this would is think cool. that this is, this is cool because, uh, man, I feel like this is like the thing that Whether you like right like your stay level thing, like who knows what freaking vocal compressor, but I feel like the the act of trying to think through it and trying to listen really carefully, even if you're wrong, is so valuable, you know. And like to me, that this holds this
0: holds a little bit more weight. Of like, I mean, yes, it's important to like understand all the stuff that we've been talking about. Techie and, BS. Yeah. It, it is important to understand that, but like there's so many phasey issues on this record and it, it's like part of the sound of it, you, right. you, you know, but also there's something to be said of like, it was intentionally done. Like they're aware that that stuff was happening. And right. I think, you know, so I don't know. It's a, I don't know. It's uh, a fine
1: line between. It's a fine line of, uh, Yeah being ignorant and hoping you get a happy yeah accident right you know i was watching um chad blake mix with the masters yesterday where he's talking about tracking drums and uh, he's like yeah these are like the five mics i put on it and i just throw them up but if there's a problem i can fix it you know so it's like yeah you know i think that's some of it's like hey let's just embrace this giant room and like stuff bleeding into yeah. it that's just going to be part of it and then at some point you go actually this one thing isn't working so we're going to do that as an overdub or whatever totally. you know there's no yeah, you know it's not like the the hipster police are going to come bust you for doing an overdub or whatever right <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah anyway but so i think yeah. wh-
0: i think what we're trying to say is send us your questions send us your thoughts this is a new podcast we want to make it um interesting for us and for you guys so uh you can find us on instagram at chris Jacoby at jp regiri have fun figuring out how to spell that and <laughs> um we will see you next friday
1: next friday Woo! all right <laughs> all right <laughs> talk to you later, later. bye <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for joining us on
1: this episode of Music Production Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast and are finding it to be beneficial for your growth as a musician, we would really appreciate a subscribe and a positive review on whichever platform you use for streaming.
0: Reviews and subscribes help us grow the show and rank higher in podcast search engines. Thanks so much again, and we'll catch you next time.